welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. You are listening to Episode 4. I'm Sam Corder from Pinnacle Solutions Group. Joining me tonight are my other two regular co-hosts. How about you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves. I'm Alex Argo from A-Star Software. This is Alex Robinson with Atomic Robot. All right, guys. Welcome. Not a lot going on this week, but we got a few things we'd like to talk about. How are you guys doing? Yeah, doing good. good. Looking forward to some updates from Apple. Maybe a Apple TV. Apple Car, Apple TV. Giving Apple up on Watch. Apple TV. <laughs> Makes me sad. No, it's going to be this June. You know it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How many years have we been saying that? Too many. Yeah. We'll finally get an SDK. No. We need a We need a bingo card for this spring event. I was looking around for one, but I couldn't find anything. Yeah, there's all kinds of good stuff that, that could be announced. Other than the watch, obviously. Everyone's waiting for the price, but... I don't know. iPad Pro? Yeah, with split screen? I don't think so. You don't uh, think so? No. I'm, yeah, the, all the rumors were going around, and then they just kind of flattened out. Do we know anything that's new in iOS so, 8.3 yet, though? I think it's mostly a Swift 1.2 release. But they wouldn't do a full user release just to rev the language, would they? That seems weird to me. I think I think if you look at the release notes there's a few other things in there. I you know possibly I seem to recall something about CarPlay. I think they do have some more emojis which I'm sure everyone's clamoring for. Yeah, I need my green colored emoji. Yeah, but I haven't been hearing anything about the split screen stuff. It seemed like when the 8 betas came out, you know, there are some developers on Twitter who were doing some, some simulator tricks to get that enabled and running apps side-by-side side or something. I think it was uh, Steve Trotton-Smith. He always seems to be hacking stuff. Um, but, like, it, there's been nothing since the betas that I've heard about the split screen. Yeah, it went it went quiet. But, you know, we'll probably see more than two betas, and it could be in there later. Yeah, why else would they make it a public beta too? That's the if it, if it's the rumored public beta, it seems like revving the the language and the the dev tools is is not enough. It seems like that's the big thing that anyone talks about. Well, maybe that'll be one of our surprises yeah. for March ninth. Maybe we'll hear about something new that they plan to release before WWDC, or at least before iOS nine. Another one more thing. I don't. I don't think it's worth Never a one know. more thing. Well, uh, iPad Pro with a split screen might be a one more thing. No, Tim. Tim's a lot more careful with the one more things than Steve was because it's not his thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think a split screen iPad is probably a, a nine o release, iOS nine o. But who knows? Well, if they had a twelve inch iPad, it would definitely be good for a, a split screen. Yeah, and, and we'd probably have to go back through and update assets and everything again, so that's always fun. <laughs> but you well, 
you've gone through and done auto layout and everything, so your app is perfectly good for a iPhone 6 and a 5, so you should be all set for a 12-inch iPad. Yeah, I was going to say, there's not much more they could do per- to prepare us, but, I mean, they, they started with the uh, Retina stuff for Macs, like, three or four, maybe even five releases before we actually got it. I think it was in, like, 10.4 Tiger, I think it was, when they first were like, Resolution Independence is here, guys. I'm telling you. Hmm. And, what was it? Was it 10, 10.8 that we actually got a Retina, Retina Mac? It was a while. 2012. That's about, sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Time will tell. This episode yep. will hopefully get out before then. So what else has been up with you guys this week? Did you guys see the new Galaxy S6? They have the two versions, it looks like. One with the edge, the edge-to-edge screen, where they have the little notifications on the kind of the gutter side of the screen. And then the other model... Looks pretty much like an iPhone 6. Although I think it has a a glass back, too. So has all those awesome things that we hated about the iPhone 4, too. (laughs) Does it have a curved screen? The Edge has the the curved screen. The Edge does, yeah. And so they'll put little notifications down in there. And I believe it's some kind of proprietary widget API. Definitely not in standard Android. I think it costs bunch more than the regular S6, so no one's, or not many people are going to be buying it. They're all just going to be getting their, their S, S6. So that's the S6 yep. Edge. Yeah. And then the S6 that looks like the iPhone 6. It does have a remarkable similarity to uh, the iPhone when 6. When you look at the bottom, it is, it is almost dead on, except that instead of a lightning s- slot, there's a micro sd a micro usb there there's no sd yes. slot on on this one which seems kind of weird and no replaceable battery so it seems like that's half of the reason that the the people who are fans of android enjoy android is for for features like that they're gonna have to redo those commercials <laughs> with their mind blown about the audio jack being on the bottom Yep. yeah that they had, didn't they have the series of commercials with people anchored to the outlet at the airport? Yeah, but that wasn't because of the replaceable battery. Well, they they pretty much have everything the, the iPhone 6 has now. I think they're supposed to have an improved fingerprint sensor, too, that you only have to, like, place your thumb on instead of, like, swiping it like you had to do before. So, yeah, it seems like Apple needs to do some, some Samsung commercials that, that ape them. Next thing you know, they'll have NFC. <laughs> oh, wait. No, they've had that for a while. Yeah, and it's NFC that the developers can program against. Maybe we'll get that in iOS 9. So what have you guys been working on this week? Lots of Swift. Are you doing 1.2 or slugging through the pain of 1.1 still? Um, my release cycles are a little bit sooner than when the beta will go gold, so I've got to wait until we get a little bit farther uh, with the 8.3 beta. But uh, I'm looking forward to switching over. That'll actually reduce a lot of code on my, on my part. Um, no, so I'm still 
on Swift 1.1. So what features are going to reduce code, like the number of, the way that they changed up iflets? Iflets are a big thing. Absolutely. Are there any other cool features in there? You know, one of the coolest features is probably the fact that a large percentage of the crashes have been fixed. And that's a definite plus. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> this is why I'm not using Swift yet. <laughs> Among other reasons. Yes. Yeah, I haven't actually done any <laughs> iOS stuff this last week. I've been doing mostly server-side stuff. So that's that's another big reason. There's no, there's no good uh, open-source Swift server-side library. Although I think I saw... Didn't you post something... Along those lines recently, Sam? I did. It was in a newsletter, I believe. The <laughs> iOS Dev Weekly from a couple weeks ago. It's the people that created REM objects. Yeah, they came up with a compiler, a Swift compiler, that will compile down to Java bytecode. And I believe they also have one that goes into .NET CIL, so you could... Potentially program in Swift on Android and on Windows Phone, but probably only Android because nobody cares about Windows Phone here. Or or in general, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's big in the UK for people that don't want to use apps because the phones are cheap. Makes sense. Speaking of uh, iOS Dev Weekly, they uh, got me pretty pretty uh, sure what the right word for it. I was <laughs> trolled you. Su- yeah, they trolled me pretty hard. Uh, I've been looking forward to the iTunes Connect Analytics that they announced at WWDC last year. Um, we've been constantly trying to figure out, you know, the best way to to market our apps. Um, and the iTunes Connect Analytics were supposed to give us a lot of good information that would, you know, help figure out what what networks that we could use to advertise for our apps. Uh, how effective they were, you know, the kind of usage you would get from users out of all those things. And so their latest issue of iOS Dev Weekly, um, along with a link that, that talked about all the new features in the latest beta, uh, they are like, oh, and also iTunes Analytics here. And I was super pumped. I actually last week had sent like an inquiry to Apple. I, you know, submitted a contact us form. I was like, hey, when's your iTunes Connect Analytics going to be ready? So I saw this and I was like, oh, this is sweet. And I click on the link and... Uh, I, w- I was not very happy. Let's I'll say that. Uh, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who who wants to check out the new iTunes Connect analytics. So if if, if you're curious, uh, just head on over to iosdevweekly.com or or I'm sure you get the newsletter already. So just open your email and click on that link, uh, and you'll you'll have the same feeling that I felt. <laughs> we'll have a link to that newsletter in the show notes. Just don't give up, Argo. Don't give up. It'll come at some point. They need to save something for this year's WWDC. They can't make iTunes perfect that quickly. I'm not sure if perfect is the word I'd use. Good enough. <laughs> it's it, it changed last year, and some things are definitely better. It's It's been improving. Yeah. There's still rough spots, like with anything. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm not quite sure what we'll see in that space. 
this year. But the Google Play Store actually added something interesting recently, where you can do advertisements for your apps on the Play Store. So let's say you've got a Clash of Clans clone, and somebody searches and, and is looking at Clash of Clans. Could potentially have an ad show up for your app right there, as I understand it. Hmm. Kind of like a sponsored <laughs> you might be interested in. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if it's a good idea or not. I could definitely see where you could have your ads targeted towards people who use apps like the one that you make. Um, but I I could also see where that could get really annoying really fast. Amazon product pages have something similar where they'll have the customers already bought this, which has been there for a long time, and then it'll have a sponsored um, sponsored links or other items by people that have sponsored these things. Yeah, Apple hasn't added that yet. It'd be interesting to see if they would add it. Yeah, we'll see how well... Google executes on it, and if it's good for developers, and I'm sure it'll be good for Google's advertising revenue. Yeah, that's probably the only thing that that matters. Yeah, in the end, that's their cash cow. But it could also help on the iOS side if you have uh, problems with discoverability. You know, drop a hundred dollars in cash and see how that turns out for you. Yeah. Yeah. It it's probably a better place to advertise than Facebook or uh Twitter or someplace like that where you may or may not be reaching the right audience at the right time. You know, if they're already in the the Play Store or iTunes Store or App Store, I mean. Um that's probably a good place to be targeting your customers. Yeah, I mean, that seems like the the ideal place. I just with all the complaints on the Apple side about people complaining about app discoverability and, you know, it can't make it as an indie iOS developer, it would really surprise me if they were like, oh, well, if you want to make it as an indie iOS developer, all you have to do is pay us some money, <laughs> and, then, and then everyone will find your app. So when TweetBot releases their new app or whatever, and they're like the 100th search result for Twitter, they just got to pay some money, and they're good to go. Yeah. I mean, if everybody can afford a Super Bowl ad with Liam Neeson for their app, you know, they wouldn't have any trouble selling millions of copies. I will say, if you have a Clash of Clans clone or Candy Crush clone, Facebook is the perfect place to advertise. We don't have a lot of time for this episode, guys, and we are starting to run a little long. Do you want to skip over to our picks? Uh, Earlier this week... Facebook announced Origami 2.0 with Origami Live. And Origami's not a new thing. Uh, but this is a pretty big rev of the previous offering from Facebook. And for those that don't know, Origami is built on top of Apple's Quartz Composer, which lets you build visually build complex animations. And... The interesting thing here is Facebook has used it to create interactive prototypes for apps like Paper, and it's changed the way they do design. And with Origami 2.0, they've added several improvements as well as 
Origami Live, where you can have live previews of your app on a device as you're developing it. And it does support Android, iOS, and desktop. So I tried the Origami 1.0 and found it very difficult to use, and I didn't get over the learning curve hump. Uh, is 2.0 any better? Have you tried it? I think 2.0 is a little bit better. And one of the things they've done to improve on that is they've added a number of tutorials and documentation, um, much better than what they had before. But Quartz Composer traditionally is very difficult to to pick up. Um, I think once you pick it up, once you get the knack of it, you can be fairly efficient and build some very interesting and and exciting animations that differentiate your app from other apps. And it uses the same technology that, that we use on the devices to do animations, so it you can mimic the experience that you would have on the device uh, through this tool. So it's kind of a nice idea to be able to prototype, have interactive prototypes of your app with animations that a designer can do without writing any code. But in a way, it is coding. It's just visual coding. I would love to see a lightning talk of that at our Cocoa Heads group. Yeah, I'm hoping we can do that in the near future. And I'll add another pick related to that. Uh, Briefs 1.3 public beta was announced earlier this week as well which is another prototyping tool. And some some things to note about this release is they've added support for prototyping Apple Watch apps. Interesting. So it might not be as strong on the animation side as Origami, but it, it still lets you prototype for multiple platforms uh, visually. And that tool is probably a little bit more approachable than origami. Yeah, I was going to say, I've worked with Quartz Composer itself in the past. I have not done any origami stuff, but it's not something easy to pick up. But Briefs definitely yeah. seems like it's... The team at Facebook has done a good job of adding a lot of common uh, patches that you might need. So it, it's probably less, a little higher level than what you would have done before. Origami, and there are some third-party additions to that as well. I can't say it's a. It's going to be something a designer could pick up quickly. It probably takes a very specific person, specific mindset to be able to pick up that tool and run with it. Um, but it's nice that we're getting more tools like this. Yeah. So my pick of the week is more or less a core data replacement called Yap Database. It's something that I came across in a other in another chat area. And it's a key value store that's built on top of SQLite, which on the surface sounds really awkward. Uh, but reading through the documentation, I'm very impressed, one, with the quality and level of documentation. And two, just the API seems really nice to work with. So um, I've currently just scratched the surface on setting it up and trying it out. So I'm really excited to to play with that in the coming week. 
Yeah, that one looks really interesting. I, I've been experimenting with alternative data stores and haven't found one I really like. But Yap Database has pretty much all the features I was looking for and addresses a lot of the complaints. But I think I won't really know until I try and use it on a project. My prediction, though, this year for WWDC is that Apple is going to have a new persistence framework written in Swift, Swift. specifically for Swift, yes. Hmm. Sounds intriguing. I would... That might make me check out Swift some some more. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like they've already started to move in this direction with CloudKit. Yeah. Yeah, and they've they've been making some improvements. Yeah. How hard would it be for them to bring CloudKit down to the device level? I don't think it would be that bad. I think, you know, I've, I've heard it said before that if you were trying to build core data in Swift, you can't do it. Hmm. So you'd have to approach the problem differently, I think. You know, the whole idea of you know reflection and and dynamic proxies and things like that are very difficult, if not impossible, to implement in Swift in its current form without dropping down to Objective-C hmm. or or doing that at opc or at dynamic annotations but at that point it feels like cheating right because you're switching into objective c land at that point yeah you're not it doesn't feel like you're staying pure swift so i I think the language would need to evolve a little bit more before they could build something as sophisticated as core data but that doesn't mean they couldn't build something like yap in swift is there a good reflection implementation in Swift yet? No, there's some undocumented uh, things you can do with reflection, but not not really what you'd be looking for to build a framework on. And I don't think there's any guarantee that it'll work the same in future versions. So I think it would be dangerous to build it on what's there now. I, if you really want reflection, you pretty much have to extend NS object or use the annotations. Okay. So there's our second WWDC prediction. Maybe. You know, you could argue that having that metaprogramming capability lets you introduce bugs that are hard to prevent. So it may go against the intent of the language to give you that much power. Could be, but... Developers, if they scream loudly enough for it, they'll be forced to put it in there. Yeah, and it could be the, yes, I know what I'm doing flag, so don't bother the me. bang, bang operator. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Argo, you have a pick this week? I'm going to switch it up a little bit and do a, a hardware pick. Um, I've been kind of frustrated the past week as... Looking for a new family computer. Uh, my five-year-old's in kindergarten, or starting kindergarten soon, and I have to learn how to use a mouse and all that stuff, and he's just used to the tablet. So I'm looking on Apple, and I'm trying to find a you know reasonably priced computer that has a solid-state disk, and there there really weren't any. You can't get a an iMac. You can't get a 
like the unless you want to get the retina uh iMac so that, that didn't fit my reasonably priced category um can't get a mac mini uh None of the kind of entry-level computers that aren't laptops or Mac Pro can you get something with an SSD as a a pre-built option. So I ended up getting a, a refurb, uh, I think the 17 or maybe 19-inch iMac. Um, and my pick is actually uh, is a cheap Samsung um, micro SSD. Uh, along with a or an MSATA SSD, along with an enclosure, and it looks kind of like it like it matches the iMac, and I basically just uh, velcroed it to the back of the iMac, and uh, it runs just as fast as my my Retina MacBook Pro from a year ago. So, so are you booting off of this drive? Yep. And it's connected in by a SATA port? It's connected via USB 3.0, um, and the specific enclosure I got supports something called UASB, I think it's called. I'm not entirely sure what it is, but it, I think it's essentially like SATA over uh, USB. Hmm. So, so very fast? Yeah, so like I, I used Xbench and benchmarked the internal disk which was super slow i benchmarked this one which gave me all the speeds you know that it that it lists in the in the specs like the 540 megabytes a second five read 520 megabytes a second write um so yeah it performs really well and makes the computer like six times as fast i'm really surprised that apple's still shipping computers that that don't have at least like a fusion drive option kind of sad actually but well i think it's they've got to hit the price yeah, it's point. about the price yeah they're they're definitely trying to upsell you but like even on the the imac that i got there there wasn't anything to upsell you to unless you did a custom order and then it was you know like three or four hundred dollars more to get a solid state so you know, you remember the RAM used to be the, that expensive upsell that they always did that you needed to do. And now it seems like it's the storage because most most Macs come with a reasonable amount of RAM these days. 16 gigabytes is more than enough for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I think, I think that's all the time we have this week. Yes, it is. So you guys want to tell us where the world can find you? Yeah, you can find me at AJ Robinson on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Alex Argo on Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter at Sam Corder, C-O-R-D-E-R. The podcast itself is at Shared Inst on Twitter. Also, if you're liking what you're hearing and you would like us to continue, please help spread the word to your friends and rate us on iTunes. Thanks, guys.